Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Well, good morning, gang. Good to see you. Great to see you. We're glad that you guys are here. Happy Mother's Day, Grandma's Day, Great Grandmother's Day. And yes, my mom, I called her this morning and uh, wished her a happy Mother's Day, and then she made her way here this morning. So uh, again, I am the favorite son for lots of reasons, uh, but she's here, yeah, and you can confirm that later, so I don't just make that kind of stuff up. There's four of us, and uh, so that's just how it goes in the pecking order in our household. This morning, we are departing from our series, uh, Citizens of the Kingdom, but you can jump with us next Sunday. We'll be getting after it in chapter 5, verse 21 and following, just an incredible uh, series that we began a few weeks back about life in God's kingdom and what it means if Jesus were our king uh, in our lives and ruling our lives. And so we're looking at that together, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 uh, through the spring and through the summertime. But this morning we're looking at some wisdom from a king's mother. It's, it's um, Proverbs chapter 31 that we'll be looking at this morning, verse 1 through 9. She was a mother, King Lemuel's mother. In fact, we believe that this is Solomon's mother who passed down this wisdom. Uh, certainly, a, a mother's life is labor-intensive, especially in the teen years. Uh, for those of you that have raised some teens, it can be definitely discouraging, uh, but certainly is rewarding. I say this every Mother's Day. Uh, single moms are heroes of mine. My mom was a single mom for 32 years of my life. Uh, and then I actually did her wedding ceremony, which was a great privilege for me. But uh, for those of you single moms, uh, we pray for you as well. Uh, a mom believes that her role in raising and pouring into her children will be the difference whether that child is successful in life or not. Now that can go a little bit too far, right? Especially in our district, Clovis Unified. Uh, some stage moms, some helicopter moms. Like let's just back it off a little bit. But certainly that influence of a mother. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6 tells us, uh, My son, follow your father's good advice. Don't wander off from your mother's teaching." Wrap yourself in them from head to foot. Wear them like a scarf around your neck. Wherever you walk, they will guide you. Wherever you rest, they will guard you. And when you wake up, they will tell you what's next. For sound advice is a beacon. Good teaching is a light. And moral discipline is a life path. A mom's role goes from guarding and guiding, and as the child gets older and older, to influence. And we see that that influence of this, this, um, this author, chapter 31 of Proverbs, which we believe is Solomon writing about the influence of his mother, it certainly stuck with him. You think about the things that maybe your mother taught you, your grandmother taught you, uh, things like uh, don't spoil your dinner, right? Like, oh, you're going to spoil your dinner. Don't eat it and take that cookie out of your mouth. And uh, maybe like wash your face, right? Or put the toilet seat down after you use it. Or lift it up if you've got a household full of boys. Aim is another one that might come. Uh, don't talk with your mouth full is some other wisdom that gets passed down from moms. But there's one that will keep you alive in this life. And that is look both ways when you what? Cross the street. Look both ways when you cross the street. 
life has a lot of dangerous moments in it. This world that we live in certainly has opportunities that can bring dangerous situations and destruction to us if we are not careful to heed that kind of instruction, to look both ways. Uh, one way looks safe, and you dart out on your BMX bike, and there's another car coming the other direction because you just didn't look both ways. So look both ways, mom would say. And I think that's kind of what King Lemuel's mother said to him. It's chapter 31. It's verse 1 through 9. Let's read together. This is the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. But you, Lemuel, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. That was this wisdom that was passed down perhaps decades earlier that Solomon, King Lemuel, had recalled and remembered and God allowed it to be written in his word for us to gain some of that wisdom. So whether your mom is here, your mom is, is alive with us here on planet earth or your mom wasn't around when you were growing up, here is some motherly wisdom that will guide you through life. Now, many scholars believe that this is King Solomon. This, this, uh, the name Lemuel, it means belonging to God. And it was as if it was like a pet name that, that, uh, that Bathsheba gave to Solomon uh, based on how much she loved him, but also how much God loved him. She says that he was the son of her vows, that at some point prior to his birth, she made a vow to God. And I wonder if it was like Hannah's vow to God. God, give me a son, and I'll give him back to you, and I'll raise him in your ways, and I'll teach him how to live for you and to follow you. And so here was that wisdom. And, and if you're thinking about this in, in the realm of looking both ways when you cross the street... You think about it this way. Number one, she tells him, Solomon, in verse 3 through 7, guard your life. Look both ways when you cross the street in life, so to speak. One way looks safe, and you think that you're doing well, but if you don't take a peek at the other direction, there's a dangerous situation heading towards you. There's many ways that a king could be destroyed, and certainly Solomon had his fair share of moments that that stripped him of his full potential as a king. And some of them were, in fact, all of them were, the very things that God's word and his own mother had instructed him about. Uh, as, we, as we've all heard that statement, power corrupts, right? And absolute power corrupts absolutely. He was the king in the golden years of the, the, the nation of Israel. It said that, that silver was as common as dirt, in that day, gold was, was plentiful, and, and certainly it was the highlight financially of the nation of Israel. And yet he had a lot of situations where he did not look both ways. There were certainly pitfalls that a king would fall into. In fact, 
before Israel even had a king, the law gave them, Deuteronomy chapter 17, specific instructions that we would understand that, that his own mother would recite to him from God's law, especially verse 17 about his, you know, about avoiding, you know, having many for, uh, you know, sort of a, a big harem as a king and allowing women to distract him from his duties as a king and just living life for God. And, uh, and, and it was all based on God's word, her wisdom. And Deuteronomy had given wisdom to a king and she reiterates it. So she fires off a warning. Guard your life. Watch out. For those of you that are raising kids that are heading into their junior high years, this is that kind of wisdom that you pass on to them, right? Hey, watch out. Guard your life. There's all kinds of opportunities for you that you need to be careful from and protect yourself from. We could look at it in the, in the, in the categories of toxic relationships. She said, Solomon, avoid toxic relationships that will steer you away from God and what he wants you to do. We'd also call it toxic living. Her message was directly from the word. Solomon, in fact, talked a lot about the dangers of, of getting ensnared in an adulterous relationship. Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and, se and 7, Solomon had written extensively on it. We could sum it up, her, her message to her son was, don't waste your life. Don't waste it on ladies, and don't waste it on wild party living. That's the information that we would pass down to our kids, right? I mean, who knows a woman more than a woman? Now, we're the children, uh, we're the children, we're the, the parents of three boys. And uh, mom has a lot of thoughts about the, the girls that sort of will, you know, sort of come around our kids, you know, throughout their uh, childhood and stuff. And, uh, and, so, um, and so she basically will just tell them, hey, get, get off our lawn, just go away. We don't want you around my son. That's not how it goes. <laughs> But certainly there's wisdom that, uh, man, a, a wife just passes down to a mother of boys, just passes that wisdom down. And, uh, and thank God our children are making good choices with the, the, the female companions that they are surrounding themselves with. I, I shouldn't say it like that, like there's like, a, like a, 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 a large sum of female companions. My oldest son has been married for almost two years and married a great, great wife. But certainly, I'm just going to stop right now. We're 11 minutes in. Let's keep moving. It was, don't waste your, slot, your life. Don't give your strength to women, Solomon. Don't allow yourself to be destroyed through wild partying and living, or self-indulgence, we could say. Solomon himself would actually write in Proverbs 4, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In, in, in Bathsheba's mind, that strong drink and that, and that wine was, was, uh, was, was for those who are in bitter distress, sort of at the end of their life, uh, almost like, you know, medicinally, you know, um, taking away the pain physically in their life. But she says, but you, son, don't fall prey to toxic things that a world of a king would provide. That is a necessary motherly advice message for all of us in here this morning, whether you are 80 or eight years old, to guard your life. I'll be 48 years old this uh, summer, and I'll catch up to my wife. She's 48 right now. And, uh, and I, it's interesting that as you move along in life, even in your Christian life, you actually get more lax about your life. You sort of, you, you stop looking both ways. You don't, you, don't, you don't pick up on the dangerous moments 
that your life is about to head into because you just sort of get like, yeah, I've been doing this now for a few decades. Living your life. How many of you guys remember getting your driver's license for the first time? Way back when you, you know, you, there was no, there was, you had an AM, FM radio, and like if, if you were lucky, you had a cassette player that you could push the fast forward and would stop at the next song. You guys remember those days? And then the tape would get all like, you know, like all messed up in there. You pull it out, and you're like, no, my favorite journey tape's messed up. And, but you're, I mean, you had it at 10 and 2, right? You're just driving, you know what I mean? Mirrors, mirrors, rear view mirror, right? And then you get kind of used to it. Now you're like, you know what? I got too many, like, emails in my inbox. I'm going to start clearing them right now, driving, eating food, steering with your knees, putting your makeup on. What are we doing? You sort of get lax. Every car crash I've ever been in, every single one of them, has been me distracted and running into somebody. I'm just letting you know that's what's up. That's why my insurance is $1,400 a month. Oh, no, my phone, it's on the floorboard. Oh, my gosh, I better save it now while I'm on Herndon. So that's how it went for me. That was about 10 years ago. Guard your life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Like Solomon, we live in a world that has potential to trip us up. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. See, that was her concern. And son, you have a calling upon your life. There is a specific role that you are supposed to play in this life. And if you get distracted one way or another, or you fail to look both ways, well, you're going to get hit by some kind of traffic that you weren't anticipating. Paul told young Timothy, keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Maybe when she was a kid, she said things like, you know, hey, don't run with scissors. All kinds of good wisdom, which you're not supposed to run with scissors. Or don't, you know, eat before you spoil. Or LL Cool J's mother said, mama said, knock you out. So there's all kinds of things that we learn from our moms. But I think Lemuel's mom says, don't give in. You have lots of opportunities as a king to do a lot of things to to just fulfill your own desires, she, she says. But, but only you can make these choices, King Lemuel, to, no, to guard your life. Real things, by the way, that she mentions here to avoid. But then I think that there are some other things, there are, there are principles, if you would, that we can la- learn from God's word. There's some toxic thinking that some of us have. Some things that, you know, that we, we play over in our minds that, that destroy our minds or destroy our potential but with such a negative view of ourselves that we actually can never get some traction in our own spiritual journey or our own lives because we just play these, these broken records over and over our head and it's toxic to our minds and it's toxic to our spiritual lives, this thinking and attitude or things like even I have a right to hold on to this grudge. But that is the most toxic thing that we can carry around as believers and not allow forgiveness to flow from our lives. Those negative thoughts about our life, they hold us back from fulfilling all that God's potential has for us in this life. And yielding to them, whether that's what Solomon was warned with with ladies or party living lifestyle, it will bring destruction. It destroys kings. It's sad that Solomon... It tells us in the, in the scriptures that he loved, it says, many 
foreign women. In fact, all the women that uh, Deuteronomy told kings to avoid, Solomon loved them all. And it was because they had different gods that they worshipped. And the warning was that they'll turn you away. And in his latter years, his heart was turned away from the living God after these, these idols that were made of wood and stone and precious metals. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.8, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour, stand firm against him and strong in your faith. If you've ever watched, you know, like a Nat Geo channel or you, you watch, you know, the Animal Kingdom, you know, back in the day, it was like we had four channels. And so you'd watch, you know, the, the big Animal Kingdom special on Sunday afternoons from like one to midnight. And uh, it's like your one option. And, uh, you know, if you ever watch like, an you might be vegan here today, but just, you know, like animals eat other animals. So I don't want to ruin it for you. And, uh, and so, you know, you see it, you just like, okay, there. Look at that gazelle. Boy, he's got his head on a swivel, right? He could play wide receiver for a football team because he's, he's looking. I'm making sure no one's going to come, you know, and try to take me out. But then there's that one that's just like, you, you just go, like, you got a Disney song in your head, son. But guess what's about to happen? There's a cheetah that's been creeping up on your, your whole family. He's going to eat your brother, and then he's going to eat you. And you need to pay attention. That's what Peter's saying. We just go through life like, oh, you know what, it's all good. I've got God on my side. And Peter's like, guess what? You have an enemy called the devil, and he prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Solomon's mom said, keep your head on a swivel. Look both ways because you think one way is safe. Well, there's danger coming the other way. You think about that one, that, that point that she made. What is one thing the Holy Spirit even now is warning you about in your own life, an area that you're getting laxed in. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't waste his warnings. We as parents, man, I was good at wasting warnings. I, I'm not kidding, man. I've had it up to here. You're like, that's about 10 more inches dad's got. Let's keep this going for a while. No, I mean it. I'm going to take that Xbox away. And then you think about, you know what? Why would I ruin my weekend? I'm not taking his <laughs> Xbox away. You guys just keep doing what you're doing. Thumbs up. The Spirit of God does not waste his warnings. You come across a passage in Scripture. Somebody shares a devotional thought with you. You listen to something uh, on the radio about God's Word. Or the Spirit of God speaks something to your heart about an area of your life where you're creeping towards danger. There's a, prowl a prowling lion who's ready to pounce you. You take those warnings. You take this warnings of this king's mother, Bathsheba. And you say, you know what? I'm going to look both ways. Here's another way. Verse 8 and 9. You look both ways in this way as well. She said, Solomon, you're going to look both, you're going to look one way in your kingdom and you're going to see that it's all good. Look at the wealth of my kingdom. Look at what we've built and established. Look at how fantastic the nation of Israel is under my leadership. But she says, look another way, Solomon, because there's the poor and the destitute, the mute, and those who have nobody to speak up for them. And there's that idea that, you know what, I'm going to look both ways in my life. Literally, King Lemuel, look both ways. There are needs and you have power to change people's lives. To use your position, not to indulge yourself and your ego, 
but to use it to defend the poor and the powerless, those who cannot speak up for themselves. In a way, she's saying, don't waste your life in wild partying and ladies, and don't waste your life simply serving yourself. God has made you the king of this great nation, and use it to do good in this life and changing people's lives, serving other people as you lead this country. The greatest life that any one of us could ever live is one that is poured out for others. Our world's philosophy is that you and I should live for ourselves, do things that make us feel good and feel right, to look out for ourselves, to live for ourselves. And yet, God's word would challenge that, that kind of thinking, and that, that you and I are called to live for something so much bigger than ourselves. We're called to, to live our lives in a way like Jesus, where we've come to give our lives as he gave his life and poured it out for a ransom for many, as a ransom for many. Paul says in Philippians 2, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Think of it this way, God has blessed you to be a blessing in somebody else's life. God has put you someplace in this world to not live a selfish life where it's all about you and me, but to live a life that's for others and looks to others and looks to ways that we can serve them. Compassionate like we see in our Savior Jesus, who again came not to serve, but, or came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. In our day and in Solomon's day, that power that he had was used really to gain, but not to give. That's the message King Lemuel's mother gave him. Solomon, serve others. Serve others with your life. Give your life away. Ask yourself that question this morning. Wherever God has you, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a business owner, you're a teacher, you're a trainer, you're a student, you, you have influence on your team. Think about all the areas that you are, that God has you strategically placed in this life. A new job that he just opened up for you. Every single area that God has placed you in, you need to ask this question. God, why did you put me? Not like, God, why did you put me here? I hate these people. But, but God, why am I here? Why do I have this influence? Why do I have this, this platform? It's not so that you can serve yourself. It's so that you can actually be poured out for others. It's so that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. To be compassionate. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, tell all those who are financially blessed in the gatherings in churches. He says that, that God has given them finances so that they could not only enjoy it, but that they could also be a blessing to other people. Think of all the many ways that you can change a person's life. Well, that's really what uh, Solomon's mother was saying. Solomon, look both ways. One area is, Solomon, you look over here and it looks safe, but over here is danger. Another way is, Solomon, you look over here and they all have a good life, but over here they're struggling and you need to, not, you need to pay attention and make a difference and use your power and influence to change their lives, to serve others, to help others, to reach others. That's a great message from a mother of a king for us. There's a third message that I think that, that uh, she doesn't really speak in this passage, but I think it, it's inferred in who she was giving this advice. And, and the third, uh, really, advice from this king's mother is to embrace grace. If this too really is Solomon's mother, which I believe it is, and, and all the scholars that agree with me believe it is, 
So all the right people believe that this is Solomon's mother. I'm just kidding. It's that she really kind of has no business giving advice to her son Solomon. If you kind of know her journey and her story. Solomon is kind of the, the kid that should have never been born. Maybe your parents told you that. Oh, you were a mistake. But Solomon legitimately was a mistake. Never should have been born. This lesson comes not from her speaking, but how she lived in raising him. Bathsheba was no stranger to making mistakes. She was the one who committed adultery with Solomon's father, King David, and she got pregnant. I would imagine, like all of us, that it was that moment when, you know, like, man, I have so much regret. Whether she was caught, as David was caught, with Nathan busting him, saying, uh, you have sinned greatly against God. But certainly she carried around regret, that rebellion that she had and that King David had. Her husband was like the special forces of King David's army. Uriah was his name. And he was out serving on the battlefields, uh, you know, protecting the nation of Israel. And he was out there with the Ark of the Covenant of God that had the Ten Commandments inside. They would take that where they would go, you know, out, for battle, out to battles. And you know, the commander of, of the Israeli armies was out there. And then here he was, sort of like this, this Navy SEAL, if you would, or this, you know, special operations guy for the Marines for the nation of Israel. And uh, he was honoring the king out there. He was honoring God. He, he had integrity. And that's something that she and her and, and, and David actually had failed to have integrity. And she had regret. And so what happened is that David sends, asked for Uriah to come back home. Hey, tell me about the army. Tell me about the battles. Tell me how. You know your wife is really pretty. You know that, Uriah? It's like, hey, here's a bottle of Dom Perignon and why don't you go back to your house and, you know, and Pray, and then go back out to uh, the armies. And he had such integrity, he's like, no, he slept on the doorstep of, uh, of, of, the, of the palace. David wakes up. Did Uriah go to his house? No. Uriah, what's your problem? You know, your wife's really pretty. You know, David, you keep saying that. It's making me feel uncomfortable right now. That actually didn't happen in the story, but that's kind of how I imagine it going on. And, you're, and he's like, hey, I stay one more day. And they, like, throw on the ribs on the Traeger. And they, they, you know, gets out the booze and, like, the hard stuff, man. He's going to get him hammered drunk. And then he'll lose his senses and he'll go home. And, and then, oh, by the way, did I tell you that Bathsheba was pregnant? That's, that's, that's a big part of the story. Did I fail to mention that there? Okay, now you guys know. Bathsheba, it, it, it only takes one time. That's another lesson we could tell our teenage kids, right? And she got pregnant on that one time. They're trying to cover it up. He won't go. He has such integrity. David sends him a note. Hey, uh, Joab, put Uriah on the front lines. I want him dead. He dies. David says to Bathsheba after she grieves the loss of her husband, come and be my wife. And five and a half months later, they have a baby. And everybody's adding it up. It's like, going, well, I guess it must be spe something special. Something special that the kings have in their you know, palace. They don't have to be pregnant in July, I guess, is what's going on there. So... They have the baby, and the baby dies. We don't know all the whys of God. I don't know why God allowed this baby to die. We just know that the baby died. And David and Bathsheba sinned greatly against God, and certainly her husband, and the kingdom. She lost the baby. Can you imagine that pain? All the questions, why did I do that? Why did I flirt with the king? Why did I agree to go to the palace that night and dishonor the Lord and my husband? 
You know, life is full of mistakes. Moms, we make mistakes. Dads, we make mistakes. Human beings, we make mistakes. We make promises in moments like this. God, I'm really going to guard my life. But guess what? We're going to fail and we're going to give in and we're going to have regret like she had. And there's repercussions to those decisions that we make. Some of them are huge like she experienced in the loss of that child. You know, without the Lord in your life, those kind of mistakes will hold you and I hostage. We'll get stuck in the past and we'll be unable to move forward. But she was one who received God's grace and mercy along with Solomon's dad that he would later write in Psalm 22, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. With God, there's always enough grace to cover our sin. And David and Bathsheba truly repented of their sins, and God's grace covered them. And here's that thought. King Lemuel, look both ways. You look one way, and you see your mess, and you see your sin. And that's an important part of this process, by the way. You look over, and you see, you know what? I did do that. I did make that mistake. I did sin and dishonor God. But then she would say, but I want you to look the other way. And you're going to see... Through the corridor of time, Solomon, there's going to be a perfect man, Jesus Christ, who was going to hang bloodied and naked upon that cross, and God's going to pour out all of the wrath that your sin deserves and my sin deserves upon his dear son, and there's grace, and there's mercy, and there's forgiveness. And I think that is an important lesson from uh, the king's mother, if you would, this morning for us. Is that yes, we look at our mistakes, but you got to turn the other direction and see that there's a God who forgives us, amen, and a God who covers our mistakes. This mother's life would point to God's mercy and grace as she embraced it herself. You know, she said that, those words in the beginning, oh, son of my vows. You know, she lost that child, but then God allowed David and Bathsheba to conceive and have another baby together. And it was Solomon. And I wonder, as she was pregnant, wondering about the own safety of that child, no doubt, if she made a vow to God. You know, God, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. But God, this child, who is never supposed to be born, by the way, uh, 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 built around a relationship that never should have existed. God, I want to raise this child in your ways. He's going to learn about you. He's going to know about you. And simply the fact that she was the one raising him, she pointed that there is a God who's filled with grace and he's a God of another chance. You know, it's interesting when Solomon was born, David and Bathsheba named him Solomon. And yet Nathan, the guy who busted David, the prophet, who said, David, you're a liar and you're a sinner and you've broken God's commands and that baby is, is, uh, is, is, um, is yours. And you've dishonored God. You fast forward about 12 months or so, maybe longer, and Nathan shows up and gives them a message. He says, listen, you guys have named this child Solomon. He says, but I have named him Jedidiah, which means beloved of God. I wonder if Bathsheba had thoughts. I know God loves me, but it has an asterisk attached to it. You know what I mean? Like she had, you know, we have in our Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, right? Thoughts to give you a future and a hope. 
But you look at your message and you go, you know what, there's probably like an asterisk next to that one for me. Like that's for everybody else here at RBC. Well, if you knew everybody else here at RBC, you wouldn't say that. But, you know, it's like that's our asterisk mark. Or, you know, God has a wonderful plan for my life. I know he does, but I've messed up so bad. John 10.10 is mine, but there's an asterisk attached to it, you know. That God has sent Jesus to give us life and that more abundantly, but not you because, man, we've messed up. Nathan, the one who busted David, he says, I want you to know that I love that child. Can you imagine those words to a brokenhearted mother? You name your baby, and then the Lord sends a prophet and says, you've called him Solomon, but I call him Jedediah. I love him. Doesn't it feel good, those of you who have children, when someone comes up and says, man, I just love your child. And that's always better conversation, right, than the other one that you might have with the teacher. Well, we've got some room for improvement. Um, but to hear God come to you, and he wasn't done with them to say, I want you to know that I love that child. Others might have seen him as, oh, that's Solomon. You know their story, right? And yet the Lord says, man, I call him Jedediah. He'll always be Jedediah to me. The Lord loves him, beloved of the Lord. He's a God of another chance. That's the only way you're even here, Solomon, is because God has given me another chance. That is a message we need to hear from the mother of the king. God is not through with you. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, you read through all the names. And you read through these names, and you come to one name in the lineage of our Savior Jesus. And one name is Bathsheba. And you're like, hold up. She gets to be in the lineage of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and God's grace never counts anybody out. I love the fact that this statement, God's grace covers our sin, and he makes us useful again. That's a message that we need to hear this morning. That's a message that we need to hear from the king's mother. It's certainly a message that we need to pass on to our own children as we raise these high standards for them. Boy, we need to point them to a God of grace and mercy. Maybe you've blown it this morning. You think about your own life, your mistakes. Maybe some of your mistakes have cost you some influence. Maybe some of your mistakes have some repercussions that you wish you didn't have to deal with this morning. You feel like that you don't have a right to be in a place of influence again. And yet, through grace, your sin and my sin is gone. And through grace, restoration happens. As it did for Bathsheba. As it did for King David. As it has done for millions and millions of Christ followers through the centuries. How can God use me again, she might have thought. I've made so many mistakes. Yet, grace counts us in. Grace resurrects broken lives and makes them usable and influential once again. These are our important messages from her mother. I want you and I to take these to heart this morning. Our mother, I'm not going to say our mother. <laughs> Solomon's mother gave some great wisdom, right? Look both ways. There's some dangerous things in this world. So you need to look both ways. You need to guard your life. Guarded against spiritually toxic things, relationships, mentalities, lifestyles. Are you looking both ways today? Are there some things coming in your direction that you're just kind of blind to this morning because you just don't want to turn your head to the right? Boy, wisdom would say, keep your head on a swivel in this life. There's a lot of dangerous opportunities to take you and I out. To look both ways. You look over in one direction of our society and you go like, man, everybody's doing great. That new tax law, wow. 
I feel like I paid more taxes this year, so I hope it like works out better next year. You know, I shouldn't even bring up political things. I'm so sorry about that. My mother told me, don't talk about politics in church and don't cuss. So I'm one for two. But look another direction. You're moving through your life. Oh, I'm so busy. I got so much going on. Man, God has placed you there to not just serve self, but to serve others. So you look another direction and say, how can I serve other people? How can I live a selfless life through my time and my talents and my treasures so that they're all for the Lord's glory? And then you look both ways and you see your mistakes, but then you got to turn the other direction. And you need to embrace grace as Solomon's mother did and it allowed her to move forward in life. Don't allow past mistakes to hold your future hostage. God is a God of another chance. Jesus Christ came to this planet to set us free from our sin and to bring forgiveness and restoration and give us another and another and another chance. You know, this morning as we close out our time of, of worship and we uh, send you guys out to go get your, your special macarons. They're French awesome little cookies that I've already had too many this morning. Just to make sure the moms would be appreciated, I want to make sure you guys were good. You know, before we do that, though, man, you take a few moments and just kind of do some business with the Lord today. Is there a warning that he's been giving you? Man, take heed this morning. Say, God, I thank you for that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take heed of that this morning. Is there an area of your life you've been blind to? An area that God wants to use you to serve somebody? Man, this morning, make a decision that you're going to leave this place and you're going to actually live your life in a way that is looking in the direction of those who have need. Or maybe this morning you're just like just overwhelmed by your mistakes in your past. Boy, this is that kind of morning where you say, God, this morning I want to acknowledge your forgiveness and your mercy. Maybe you don't even know him today. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him today. Maybe this morning you think about Christianity or religion as you've got to do a lot of good things in order for God to accept you. That's religion, my friend. Religion is doing good things in hopes of that God's going to actually grace you and give you his favor and he's going to allow you to spend eternity with him in heaven. That is our attempt to, tr to reach God. But the gospel is very different. Religion says do, do, and do more and the gospel says, done, it is finished. When Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, he made a way possible for all of us to have forgiveness and be a part of his kingdom and to be his child. And maybe this morning that's you. Today you need to, to uh, confess to him that you want him to be your savior. You want him in your life. You need to know that God loves you and he died for you, but you have to open up your heart to him. The book of Revelation tells us that Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him or her. It means that he wants a relationship with you, but you've got to be the one to open that door for him to come into your life. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how much you've done. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. I also want to give you an opportunity to receive some prayer. Maybe today you've got some things going on in your life where you need some care and some prayer. Uh, during this last song and as well as after the service, there's going to be some of my friends on both sides at these lit up tables so that you can get prayed for this morning. But would you close uh, this time with me? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads and pray with me now? Father, thank you for your grace, Lord, and your love and your mercy. And Father, today 
We want to say thank you for the message of King Lemuel's mother. Lord, what an incredible message, God, that we all need to take heed this morning. God, there's a lot of dangerous moments in this life. And so, God, help us to, to look both ways. God, to have our minds set on really serving you, Jesus, and being aware of the, the pitfalls that, that, that are, are set before us as we journey through life. God, we also want to be mindful of those who are in need around us, God. We want to look to those, God, who have needs. And, Father, we want to use the influence and power and resources that you've given us, God, to change lives, God. And that happens on a daily basis. It could be time with a coworker, God. It could be taking a meal to someone who's hurting. It could be to pay for a counseling session with someone who needs some professional counseling. Lord, there's so many ways that we can make a difference, God. Would you help us to do that? Lord, I would imagine that each one of us this morning, God, looks at our life, and God, we've got a lot more regret than we do moments of, of, uh, of winning, of doing it right. And so this morning, we want to magnify your grace. Lord, we thank you that, Jesus, you went to the cross, you went to pay for our sins, that our sins would be wiped away, that, God, we can know you and have eternal life. And, God, we thank you so much for that. I pray for those, God, who might be here this morning who don't know you yet. Maybe they knew you as a kid, but they've wandered off. But today's a day they're going to surrender their hearts to you. Lord, would you speak to their hearts this morning? Show them their need for you. You know, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if you join us this morning, and today you want to say yes to Jesus, you want your sins forgiven, you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And today you're ready to surrender to him. I want to lead you in a word of prayer right where you're sitting. And we're going to tell God together. I'm going to say a prayer out loud. You're going to say a prayer in your heart. But right where you're sitting, we'll talk to him together about what you want him to do in your life. But if that's you this morning, you want to surrender your heart, I want you to simply lift your hand up. I want you to lift it up high and hold it in place. And let me pray for you this morning. God bless you. Anybody else? Man, he loves you. Anybody else? You can lift your hand up as well. You want this morning. You want to invite Jesus Christ to be your Savior. God bless you. He loves you. Anybody else this morning? You ready to surrender to Him? Ready to, to allow Him to come into your life, make you a new person? God bless you, sir. Listen, for those of you that want to invite Jesus Christ into your life as Savior and Lord, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. You pray this prayer in your heart, and you ask God to do that work of saving you this morning. Pray after me now. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And God, today I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I believe that you died for my sins, and I believe that you rose from the dead. I trust and I follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life, Lord, and help me to do your will from this day forward. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. God, thank you that I'm now a part of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to welcome those of you that just prayed with us this morning. Man, God bless you, man. It's so awesome. Listen, let's all stand this morning as our team leads us in, in a song of worship. If you need prayer, go off to the sides. If you just prayed that prayer with us, as my wife mentioned earlier, there's a connection card. There's a little spot that it says, today I prayed to receive Jesus. Mark it down so that I can get you some information that will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Let's worship God.